You're listening to 50 Plus a Tip, the show for strippers, ethical sluts, and other open-minded hoes. Welcome back, guys. It's Danny, your host. And today I am joined by A.M. Davies, a fellow sex worker and host of the fabulous podcast, Yes, a Stripper. Thanks so much for joining me. Hi, thanks so much for having me. How exciting. (laughs) All right. So we'll start first. Can you tell the audience a little bit about yourself? Yeah. So I have been a stripper for 18 years. Um, I currently am the owner, the founder and owner of United Pole Artists. And I'm the coordinator of Soldiers of Pole, which is a, a labor movement organization for strippers specifically. Um, and yeah, I have Yes, a Stripper podcast, which is have, has been going on for about 18 weeks now. Um, so that's really, really cool and exciting. I've been, I just had, you know, wanted to be on a podcast for so long, like have my own. So I feel very honored, like really blessed to have that. Um, and yeah, I love to like produce events and I'm very like female oriented. Mm -hmm. Like I I do a lot of work with, um, females in general and like different ways to empower them through my teaching or through creating events like Babe Town Fest. And, um, I'm obsessed with sex workers and sex workers rights as well. Awesome. Well, I am here for all of that. Thank you. Um, So you said you've been in the industry for 18 years, so you got some time on me. Um, How did you first kind of get into it? Well, I had always wanted to be a stripper since I was about, like, 14 years old. Um, I was just – I got exposed to nude modeling, like Playboy and Hustler and and some other really graphic porno magazines. I found one in a bush one day when I was like 10. And so like the, the <laughs> just divine like, intervention <laughs> of it lying in a bush <laughs> waiting for you and the irony yeah. that's in a bush. But anyways, <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, and I just, I don't know. I just became a, like really interested in the female body, the female form. I look back on my journals from when I was a teenager and I was like drawing images of female bodies, like, women in shoes and high heel shoes. And, um, I I don't know. I I just needed to express myself, um, and my body. And I would spend hours in front of my mirror after school, like looking at myself in the mirror and like posing and making like sensual and sexual type facial expressions. And, um, I started talking about wanting to be a stripper when I was 16 is when I first started talking about it. And then my first attempt was at 18, <clears throat> um, but my mom wouldn't let me drive her car to those kinds of places. <laughs> so, uh, so I was like, checkmate, mom. Like, that was a, a tight move. She was like, yeah, you can do that if you want. You can't drive my car to those types of places. I was like, okay, so how do I get to those types of places? <laughs> um, and so then when I moved out and I was on my own at 21 and I was like starved for money, um, I went and tried stripping for the first time. Yeah. And so I went to the scrim at Rhino and Van Nuys and I auditioned and it was like a horrible mess. Um, but why is it, why and is then it I, you know, Oh, you know, I, I wore this like bodysuit, like leggings, like full body bodysuit, which is like, no. imagine taking that off with no experience of stripping. Yeah. And then do you remember? So you might not remember this because we're 10 years apart, by the way, generational wise. I'm 39. I'll be 40 this year. 
Um, but back in the day, like when I was in high school, we used to wear those clunky heels that like for prom that you could dye, you know, okay. they were like white satin and you could, I wore like a pair of shoes similar to that. Like <laughs> just like, you know, like old school prom style clunky street shoes. Right. So not exactly the pleasers of today. <laughs> oh God, no. And then I remember being there and looking at the other girls' shoes and I was like, oh, back. I definitely have the wrong shoes for this. But, you know, I, I did it and it was, I got hired at one of their sister clubs and then, you know, the rest is history. Yeah. I think that's something too that a lot of people don't realize is when you first go to audition, unless you already have friends in the industry that are going to guide you, there's really no guidance. And that hasn't changed in 18 years when you went, like even when girls are auditioning today, they don't know really what to wear or what to dress like. Thankfully, social media kind of gives you a heads up. But there's no, you know, advisory board telling you (laughs) what to do. No, not at all. And I remember, so the Spearmint Rhino um, here in California is like a high-end strip club. And then they have these little sister strip clubs. And the one that, so I auditioned at the Spearmint Rhino. And the manager was like, you, we can hire you, but you can't work here. Because these these dancers. We don't want you. Yeah. They're like, these dancers are sharks and you're green and you will get run over by these women. And I was like, like, and, and I remember being like, I had never been confronted in a way like that with very like strong minded, strong willed, confident women. Mm -hmm. Uh, That was really confronting for me. Um, because I was very comfortable being semi-aggressive with men and like, you know, I used to play tackle football and I used to, like when I would play soccer, I didn't want to play against the girls. I only wanted to play against the boys because I didn't fear the men. I didn't fear the boys, but the women, I felt real fear and insecurities around very confident, strong women. Mm-hmm. I had never been confronted with it. So, um, it was interesting. Right. So stripping was kind of your like entry into the industry, but I'm sure you've dabbled as we all do in many different avenues. So what avenues have you worked in and which are you still currently working in today? So what, what I guess I feel like I, you know, I did extras as a stripper Mm-hmm. Um, and my extras really varied on like who I was dancing for. Um, and then I've done full service like once mm-hmm. and not, it wasn't on purpose. So I, I, I don't like to claim it because I don't feel like I have like the clout, you know, I, I like to claim it because I'm proud of that that night, you know, I got paid a lot of money and I had sex with that dude and I wanted to have sex with him. Um, but I don't, because I basically did it once. I don't feel like I have the right to claim that title, um, out of respect for those who do it consistently and for a living. Mm -hmm. Um, and it was, it's never, ever come from a place of, I don't want to be uh, thought of that way. It's always been like, Oh, I don't deserve it. Yeah, I don't yeah. deserve to 100%. be called a full service sex worker. Yeah. Um, so I mostly have done stripping and a lot of online work, like almost like camming, but not legitimately camming. Um, so my sex work has been pretty low on the spectrum, but I look back and I'm like, man, I wish I had done more because 
I was willing to push those boundaries in certain situations. I just didn't know what, how to do it. I didn't know what to do. Um, and also I was dealing with my own, my own struggles with what was happening in the strip clubs in Los Angeles. There was so much full service happening with zero regulation, um, and zero protection that I, I was getting assaulted on a daily level, multiple times daily at work. And I developed a lot of anger towards sex work at the time, not realizing that it's the system's fault and it's the misogynistic patriarchal society that we live in. That is actually the problem. Um, so, and now the work that I do, um, I, I'm not a stripper. I lost half my foot. I don't know if you know that, but I have half my foot amputated, um, at the end of 2018. And so it's really hard for me to walk around in the club in my heels. And mm-hmm. so now I do strip sex worker advocacy. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I want to be on the, the, the I want to work with the groups that are trying to decriminalize all sex work. And then I work with soldiers of pole and try to coordinate, you know, unionizing for strippers and eventually other types of sex workers. But we're just focusing in one area first, cause that's a, a whole huge job in and of itself. So that's what I'm doing now. Awesome. Amazing. Yeah. So, people- and then of course I get naked on the internet as well. I get <laughs> hella naked on the internet. Yeah. <laughs> who, who doesn't nowadays, right? <laughs> right, right. <laughs> um, so speaking of the internet, people might be familiar with some of your work and might know you from the very popular Instagram handle United Pole Artist, which is actually funny because I've been following that handle for quite a while on my personal account. And then mm. I didn't know till the other day when me and you spoke and you mentioned it. I was like, well, hold up. <laughs> I, I know this. Yeah. So it's, it's very popular. A lot of friends of mine follow it. Um, how did that come about? Well, so when I quit stripping in 2007, you know, and when I say stripping, I mean nude stripping. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I left the nude clubs in 2007. Um, and I just had this like real urge to do something with pole dancing because I could see it trending, um, before it was super trendy. Mm -hmm. And so by 2009, I, you know, I created this media company because I'm like, what is nobody else doing so far? Like there were already clothing lines popping up and grip aids popping up and pole, there was a pole company. So I'm like, well, no one's like covering the history or what's happening with pole dancing. Um, and no one's showing videos. And so like, I'm like, that's what I'll do. And so I bought cameras, I bought a computer, I taught myself video editing. Um, I built this website. It was the first website I ever built. Um, and it just, it grew really fast because nobody else was doing it for a long time. Mm -hmm. Um, and then we started doing investigative journaling and, um, because it was such a budding industry and no, and people were starting to take advantage of pole dancing because they knew that, um, there was a lot of people that were ready to make mistakes and, mm-hmm. and their work. And a lot of people were taken advantage of in the early years. And so we were like uncovering that and showing people the truths. And, and through that, that reputation, like just uh, got really, really strong. And so we're really trusted and it just, we've been around since 2009 now. Yeah. Um, yeah. And it just, you know, I had, a, I worked with a lot of the, the right people. I had people come onto my team that were just really amazing and helped and did a lot of work that helped get to where we are 
today. Um, but I'm ready to shut that shit down, girl. Mm-hmm. I'm ready to shut down. Yeah. Yeah. That's, well, that's one of the next questions I was going to ask you because it's something you mentioned to me that you were kind of, you know, um, mm-hmm. kind of taking a step back from that now. Um, and that's, that was shocking for me to hear, obviously not knowing the whole story because it is such a, such a successful, um, like brand you've created there. Um, mm-hmm. but there's, there's definitely more to it. And after you explained to me, it totally made sense. So just want to explain to the listeners why, why you came to that decision to just take a step back from that. Yeah. So, well, there's a bunch of things that led up to it. Um, you know, but I would say the ultimate decision is that I'm, I finally figured out like my true path, which is advocacy for strippers and sex workers. And, and I'm frustrated with the pole dance community for their lack of allyship. I'm frustrated with the the glamorizing of strippers and then and then not backing them up enough, not being a voice enough. Um, and I want to work with people and and produce content for people who want to learn about this and want to make a difference. And I feel like it, a lot of times it falls on deaf ears. Um, and you know, I noticed that when I started posting about stripping for strippers on UPA, I immediately lost tons of followers. I lost like a thousand followers for doing that. And it's the only thing I did different. I can't, because before that we were gaining, 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 gaining. I was over 190,000 on my way to 200,000. And then all of a sudden, just like clockwork, every single day, I was losing followers, losing followers. And I'm like, you know, this isn't cute. And I'm tired of this. And it's not really making money. And I spent so much time doing it. And I'm working on it by myself. And then I have people that, like, constantly want to get reposted and want me to do all of this work for them for free. Mm -hmm. And when I mention to them, you have to pay for a repost, like, people laugh at me. In the DMs, they write, Mm -hmm. LOL, oh, you do you. Or then they tell me that money's not important and money's not everything and get messages like that. I'm just like, well, money is everything when you need it to buy food and pay your rent. Yeah. Yeah. And especially, too, the um, irony of asking for someone to help you build your brand by reposting you. Why are you building your brand so it becomes successful? Probably to make money off it, you know. So if you're, yeah, you know, help have someone help you in essence, you know, increase your income by reposting you. Yeah. it does make logical sense that you would also help increase their income by paying yeah. for that help. I think that some people get it. Yeah. Some people get it, like what you're saying. And then other people are literally like, they get pissed at me and send me snarky DMs. And I'm like, man, you have no idea how much fucking free work I've done over the last decade for this industry. And um, and then, you know, the whole, like, where strip, where pole dancing comes from, we still get the comments that it came from Chinese and Malakov and the originators of pole dancing are dead now. That's literally a comment I got. Yes, I've heard it before um, myself, and- too. Yeah. And I'm just like, I, because I want so much, like, I just want to focus on doing this work for sex workers, strippers. I want, it's all I think about every Mm -hmm. day. And it's like pole dancing isn't as important to me anymore. And, and 
my time on this earth is extremely valuable and I'm going to focus my time and energy on something that like truly like fills my heart every day. Mm. And that's what, that's what does sex work advocacy fills my heart every day. Yeah. And the same, once you start to, um, excuse me, kind of like come into your own in that sense where like, this is what I'm passionate about and this is what I care about. It really does seem like everything I just falls to the wayside and you're like, no, this is my focus. Like how, what can everything I do can like line up with this and like, how can I make moves here? Um, yeah, I I completely agree. Um, and it's it's a great feeling and you're going to get those people that are annoyed that you're changing or, you know, you're focusing more on other things, but then goodbye. (laughs) Like that's okay. Yeah. I honestly don't care. Like I'm so freaking excited to go on like I'm doing it like either tomorrow or Sunday depending on what my schedule looks like um but I'm I'm like I haven't even been posting and the last post I put was of a stripper and her daughter because I'm like it's all I want to talk about yeah I just want to talk about strippers yeah yeah no 100% 100%, I feel you so you mentioned earlier that working in the clubs you felt like you know for lack of a better term, like un- unsafe. And that's something that a lot of people come to me with and they're like, um, you know, your, your work's unsafe. We see that with laws coming in. That's, it's a constant, um, excuse for the way things go about. And it's like, oh, well it's unsafe. So dot, 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 dot. Um, and I think you echo the same idea that it's not unsafe inherently. It's like the way we treat it that makes it unsafe. So absolutely, a lot of people, they say, you know, oh, well, what's work like for a stripper? Like, do you guys have worker rights? Do you guys have dental? Do you guys have medical? So what do, um, what is the labor like for strippers in your experience? And, you know, given, I'll, you know, make that disclaimer to the audience, you know, you're in California, right? Um, yes. And, and work. I work in California. Yeah. And we're in Vancouver, yes. but I think the working conditions for most strippers are quite similar. So if you just want to kind of yes. share that, uh, share that with yeah. listeners. Yeah. Almost all, close to a hundred percent of the strip clubs that operate in the United States are all operating on the business model of wage theft. Um, they, the majority of strip clubs cannot survive if they don't practice weight, the wage theft model, um, all states in almost every state in the United States should be classifying strippers as employees. California is currently the only state that formally views strippers as employees with the passing of the new AB five law, which solidifies the ABC rule. And the ABC rule is a three, it's a three question, document that helps employers determine whether or not their workers are employees or independent contractors. And that one of the main rules in there is that if the worker performs the main functionality of that business and they are considered an employee, well, without strippers, you don't have a strip club. Mm -hmm. So, so the AB five backs up the ABC law. The problem with that is now the clubs in California have doubled down on their wage theft because now they have to pay payroll taxes and they, they have to, <coughs> excuse me, pay wages to the dancers. And so they're making the dancers pay their own wages and their own payroll tax. So they've created these very complex, confusing systems. And the unfortunate part is the government isn't following through with the 85 law that they just put into place. 
they're not checking to make sure that employers are compliant with this new law. Mm-hmm. And, and because strip club owners and managers are so accustomed to just doing whatever the fuck they want and mm-hmm. telling the workers to do whatever the fuck they want, everyone's just laying down arms and paying more money to work. Mm-hmm. And then they're blaming the law for losing money. Mm-hmm. To put it like in like layman's terms, and, and correct me if I'm, I, if I'm not getting this right. So the government said that you need to pay employees if they're, you know, these three things. And one of them is that, you know, they are contributing the majority of whatever to this business, which strippers in a strip club yeah. are. So they're supposed yeah. to now be paying strippers a wage. The, minimum wage. Yeah. Yeah. And, and the, the strip club owners don't want to pay the strippers an hourly minimum wage. So they're, in, they're now having the strippers pay that wage. They raise their house fees to cover. They it. change the way they divide dance money. They right. they've created machines where the customer has to put the money into the machine, so the money never changes hands with the customer and the dancer. Because if it does lawfully, if a customer gives me a hundred dollars for dances lawfully, that money all of it is mine. Mm. So if the customer puts the money in a machine then the machine takes a percentage and the dancer gets a percentage and that's their, their loophole way of getting around it. Wow. They've, okay. they've figured out so many, and every club and city has a different loophole we're finding. Um, and you got on, so I know a lot about these schools and um, they, they teach each other how to rip us off. Like I have proof evidence. I have like a large, I have a recording of a, a very large national strip club convention of a panel of these people teaching each other how to continue to practice wage theft and what to do when the laws change for them in their state like it did in California. I have a recording of it on my Google Drive. That's insane. It is insane. It, it was very disturbing to listen to. And then um, we, we got, so we kind of went undercover. Like I'm, it's a, I'm doing research. And so we went undercover. Nobody knew that uh, we were who we are. And we also got subscribed to a magazine. Um, that's a national magazine that goes to strip club owners and managers. And in the magazine, it, there's articles about how to pit your strippers and waitresses against each other. And they don't use that terminology, but they're, they're explaining how you can get waitresses to give lap dances, to make it more exciting. And, but it's like, that's a fucking stripper's job, dude. That's the fucking stripper's job. So you're putting strippers in waitress outfits um, and you're without panties on so they can give lap dances and you're not. And now you also technically don't have to pay your waitresses because your waitresses definitely should be employees. And it's like this national article about how you can maximize and exploit these people. They just teach each other this bullshit. Insane. And like you know, you know damn well that if that was any other like square quote industry, people would be up in arms, a hundred percent, one hundred percent. But it's because it's yeah. strippers and because it's sex workers and a marginalized group, it that gets away with it, right? Which is so infuriating to me. Um, yeah, it is infuriating, and it's also but it's been going on for so long with nobody speaking up for mm-hmm. so long that they have a lot of power. But what they don't realize, and what strippers don't realize, is when we're collectively when we work together, we have all the power. We're the ones that have the pussy between our legs that they all want and need. Mm-hmm. Without the pussy, they have nothing. Yeah, they don't have anything 
without us. Um, and we need to educate our baby strippers of like, mm-hmm. yo, this is how it used to be compared to what it is now. And it's if not we band okay. together, yeah, we can make a difference. Yeah. But if we don't, if we continue to fight and judge each other, that's exactly what they want us to do. A hundred percent. Well, that brings up the next yeah. question I was going to ask you because one thing I get asked a lot is, do I think strippers should unionize? You know, so, and that's always asked to me what I think about that. So I'm going to ask it to you. What are your thoughts on, you know, strippers unionizing? Well, I mean, that's like my job. So. <laughs> I know. Okay. That's kind of a leading question like to be honest. literally my job. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah. Yes. I think strippers should unionize. Um, you know, I think that the word unionize and the idea of unionizing gets a bad rap um, because there's a lot of misconceptions around it. But unionizing means that collectively you make decisions, that you get to vote on what you want. And as a unit, you make decisions about how to make your workplace safer, better, and more profitable for yourselves, for each other, and how to keep your employers from just changing shit on you without talking to you. Um, So, yes, 100% strippers should be unionized. And they're all employees. And that's the... That's the fucking loophole right there. It's because they're not considered employees everywhere. It's a lot harder for them to unionize. And so we're trying to make the case to all of them, like continue to tell your bosses and to continue to make the statement that you are employees because we need to get them there so that we can unionize. But yeah, yeah, they should unionize 100%. They need it. Mm-hmm. we're getting trampled on mm-hmm. and and because I've been dancing for 18 years and my my beautiful partner Antonia Crane who is the founder and the um our leader of Soldiers of Pole she's been stripping for 25 years oh, wow. and so we can look back on these decades and we see how it used to be compared to what it is now and it's fucking horrendous mm-hmm. the difference Mm -hmm. Um, and, and I think that that's really important for people to understand the history of the denigrate, the degradation of the integrity of our work, as far as how much money we're making and, um, and how safe we are and the, the entire process Mm -hmm. basically has all been degraded Mm -hmm. over time. Oh yeah. yeah. And you just see such a rise of exploitation. It's, um, it's insane. But, and that's only just me seeing that in the last seven years. So I can't imagine over the last 18, 25 years. Um, but, and it's a good, it's a good point you just made is that, you know, you need to be seen as employees before you can really unionize, I believe. Um, because, you know, we're all independent contractors um, here in Vancouver. That's how we're viewed. So that, that makes it quite a hurdle to um, first establish yeah. like employee status and then, and then unionizing. Um, yeah, but you, yeah. And that's a funny thing about that. Sorry. I didn't mean to cut you off. It's like, you're not being treated like independent contractors. They are just calling you that. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. That's it's all fake. Yeah. They tell you, you have to show up and leave at this time. There there's a dress code like in, especially, I mean, in California there was, we had to wear long gowns on the floor. Um, you know, if you missed a shift, you had to make up for it. Like those are not rules that independent contractors follow. Yeah. Luckily my club is very much like come and go as you please. You just have to work Mm -hmm. for four, you just have to be on the floor for a four hour shift. If you decide to work, you can wear what you want, obviously within reason. Like, you know, you need to wear heels and an outfit. Um, 
So like there, we are a little more lenient here. Like when I've experienced okay. in, the, in the States and New York and that, when I was out there, like they are much more strict about how the girls look, how the girls present themselves, how they work. It's, it was definitely quite a, like, um, quite a shock to see how much the employer really is, um, has their real hand in like everything there. Mm-hmm. Uh, not saying mine is any better or that we're like, you know, treated great. Let's not like, let's not get ourselves. But, um, yeah. one thing you've mentioned now several times and I want to get into it is the soldiers of pole. Can you share with listeners mm-hmm. what it's all about and, and what it's doing and how it's doing it and what that movement is? Yeah, so Soldiers of Pole is a labor movement organization, and we're our main focus is to unionize strippers, and we're starting here in California because of the recent rewritten laws that came out. Um, but we also focus on what's happening politically and um, in regards to the laws that affect us as sex workers. And, and just recently there was a new bill that came to light called AB 2389, <clears throat> and it was a bill that that was supposed to require that sex workers pay for a business license, get fingerprinted, and take a sexual harassment training course. <laughs> um, yeah, I, I would just like, like to see the um, the patrons of a strip club have to take a sexual like assault. Exactly, course, and that that was our point. And there was like a myriad of other offensive type things attached to this bill, and. You know, the sex worker community here was reaching out to the assemblywoman who wrote the bill. And, you know, we had long a long conference call with her with, like, a very detailed itemized agenda. Um, we wrote emails to them asking, like, what's going on with this bill? Like, just putting pressure on them. Like, we hate this bill. Kill this bill. And, um, and then they did. Recently, just like last week, um, they announced that the bill is dead. However... <laughs> In the email to us, the office emailed us. They don't know. They're about to get another big email from us. <laughs> They're like, we are going to open this back up for discussion in January with our stakeholders. We're looking for a common goal, blah, blah, blah. These things are on the table for discussion. Basically, the bill was killed, but they've got our, their eye on us. And they want to do something in this arena as far as regulating sex workers' legitimacy as workers towards a common goal and so i'm like what the fuck is your common goal though yeah yeah what like and we're stakeholders now by the way we were we just claimed it we're like we are your stakeholders and so we have a ton of questions and when we made the post on soldiers of pole instagram we wrote like ab 2389 is dead but but pay attention with Mm -hmm. us because they're they've got their eye on us now um, and so we, we do a lot of that type of work. We have a subgroup of soldiers of bullets called the political action committee. And all we do is talk about looking at laws. How can we revise laws to suit strippers? How can we work on alcohol laws in California to create a no revenue stream for owners? Like we look at all different types of stuff. We like brainstorm stuff and talk about like the legality of, dance dancer money like your dance money them taking a percentage so it gets really like in the weeds for sure Mm -hmm. um and then there's a lot of organizing talking to dancers trying to have meetings with them explaining to them what their rights are talking to them about filing taxes um you know which was really important recently for the stimulus check if you didn't file your taxes you didn't get a stimulus check right which in itself Uh, is problematic for a lot of workers, for a lot of, a lot of sex workers. 
Yeah, because they're afraid to file taxes for so many different reasons. And, and, you know, we're just constantly discriminated against. And then they wonder why we don't follow rules of society. It's because he's just fucking shitting on us all the time. Yeah. We have to figure out our own way. Yeah. Yeah. So, oh my God. God, I could just talk about this for hours. Yeah. No, girl, same. <laughs> I, um, I have this conversation quite often and I never get sick of having it because um, because it things aren't changing yet, right? Like they're not changing at the pace they should be. So we need to keep having these conversations and we need to keep kind of yelling yeah. it from the rooftops and being that stickler that's like, no, taxes are bullshit for strippers. Like it's, you're like, you're fucking us over here. We're not dumb. Like I think that stigma that strippers are uneducated or sex workers are uneducated, I think that's what they kind of go on to how they pass these laws. Mm -hmm. And, you know, we're too scared to speak up or we don't know how to speak up. And I think that's why it's awesome when women like yourself are there because you're like, no, I'm not dumb. No, I'm not scared to speak up. No, I'm going to fight for these Mm -hmm. rights. And, like, you're not just going to shut me up. And I think that's something they Mm -hmm. they really hope, right, is that you'll just sit down and take it. Like so many women in California are feeling like they have to do right now with the new um, with the new regulations and laws. Yeah, and they women have to do what they have to do. Like I, I have compassion for because I, I, you know, I let's be honest. Sometimes I get a little frustrated that everyone's laying down and taking it, but then I have to remember that. Um, not everyone has the same stamina to be able to put up with this bullshit. And so you just, at some point people just put their head down and do what they have to do to survive. Mm-hmm. And I get that. Oh, for sure. And for sure. then they're, yeah. And, and then, so I'm, I'm looking for and working with the people who have the stamina and have the, the, like the, the voice to be able to speak for those people and to have them speak speak through us, mm-hmm. you know? So I, I really make sure that we try to listen and we ask questions so that we can take their words because they're extremely intelligent, mm-hmm. whether or not they're speaking out. And if they're just sharing with us or in the community, they're extremely intelligent people. And so I'm, I'm really excited to continuously take their voices and their ideas and their thoughts and like channel it through me and our organization and other people like-minded so we can do what we can like to serve them. Basically. I almost see myself as like a sex worker politician. Yeah. Like I, I am serving them. Mm-hmm. So whatever they need, I will do. So, right. yeah. And I think too, it's important to note, like, you know, privilege has a huge role in it. Like not everyone comes from, you do need to be in a little bit more of a privileged position to exactly. be able to stand up. Unfortunately, 100%. And also too, with, you know, us not being unionized and not having workers rights, even the simple things in the club, if something goes wrong, sometimes you do you do need to be silent because they can easily fire you, and there's no repercussions for them doing that. And exactly, and, people, and women know that in the clubs, right? Like guys will do something in the club, mm-hmm. and you know you're you should be able to tell your like employee or your um, your employer like that was bullshit. But if you really were to come forward and say something, they can very much easily say, you know what, don't show up anymore. You know, you're causing too much issues you know so exactly and that's yeah and that's when I when I remember that because I when I get frustrated that less not as much as being done it's just me dealing with my own impatience but then when when I remember that like what you're saying I'm like oh yeah this is why this is why the work needs to be done mm-hmm. because they don't feel like they have any power any voice anything. and I yeah yeah and it just breaks my heart mm-hmm. you know 
Yeah. Yeah. Well, Uh, I know in Canada, even within Canada, a lot of Canadian sex workers are not familiar with our sex worker laws. And that's in different avenues. Like strippers aren't familiar because they feel like it doesn't impact them. Full service sex workers are quite more knowledgeable on the subject in the grant. Like that's kind of a blanket idea, right? But from what I've experienced, that's kind of how it is. Which, you know, is another way that the government kind of wins. Because if you don't know your rights and you don't know the laws in place, Mm -hmm. you can't fight them. So we ourselves in Canada should do more learning on our sex work laws and and, um, our sex workers' rights. And that's something I'm very passionate about. But even for myself, I'm not very knowledgeable on American sex work laws. One, because I feel like it doesn't impact me. Um, Is Mm -hmm. that true? No, because Canada and America are so close and they model each other a lot. You know, it it, it does do well to learn what the laws of sex work are in other places. Um, can you share with the listeners a bit about SESTA and FOSTA? And that's kind of your been kind of the forefront in the conversation, it seems, for a little while now when they talk about sex work laws um, in America, similar to our Bill C-36 and PCEPA. Um, what those two mean for sex workers in America? SESTA FOSTA is like a complete nightmare for sex workers. Um, It was a bill that was signed under the guise of, and who knows if it really did help in this area, but I think not. But it was signed under the guise of protecting the children from being sex trafficked. Um, It it made it so that it's illegal for for third parties to, like a Facebook platform, for instance, Instagram or Twitter, it made it illegal for the user to upload an image or content connected to human sex trafficking. It made it so that Facebook and Twitter and Instagram would be liable, not the user, Mm -hmm. right? And so then, so all of these huge platforms put all of these restrictions on the type of sexual content that you can post on those platforms. Well, the problem with that is, is sex workers are often, it's, it's confused that sex workers are being sex trafficked. So if you're, if you're posing or selling sex work, then you're lumped in with this human sex trafficking thing. So you're deleted. Um, the other issue was that it caused is that now they can't search for offenders via IP address. Like before, if they posted something, they'd be like, oh, is the IP address go to the house? Like, boom, bang down the door, grab these guys and take them out. So that's when Craigslist personals, that got deleted. They don't even do that anymore. Backpage, completely gone, completely gone. Um, Tumblr completely changed its business model. Instagram, deleting sex workers' profiles, porn stars, nude models. And then it started to trickle into LGBTQ, and then they just went too far. Then they started to discriminate against people of color, anybody that was different, big, beautiful women community. It just started anyone that was, and and here's the thing about why we have to support each other in our choices with what we do to our bodies. Because when they target one group, there's an adjacent group attached to that that can be targeted and an adjacent group to that and an adjacent group to that. And before you know it, Anyone that's different is being targeted and deleted and not as visible. And if you're normal and you're cute, but normal and conservative, 
then it's okay for you to be on the platform. And then it's just teaching society and our children that if you're different, you will be silenced and invisible. Mm-hmm. Um, and so that all stems from the signing of SESTA FOSTA. They all of these platforms, everything online, completely changed mm-hmm. after that signing. Uh, 24 hours out, right after that bill was signed, for 24 hours, Instagram banned hashtag woman and hashtag women for that's, 24 hours. That's insane. You couldn't be a woman. Yeah. It's fucking insane. Yeah, um, it's extremely disturbing. That brings me to my next point. You're a part of an amazing movement, and it's called Every Body Visible. And can yeah. you fill us in on the goal of that movement and how it's working to achieve that? Yeah, so everybody visible. So in the summer of 2019, pole dance hashtags everywhere got banned on Instagram. And not just hashtag pole dance stripper or hashtag pole dancer. Well, all the stripper hashtags were banned. That's yeah. a given. Yeah. But even like PD handspring. So PD, the pole dance community created um, all these hashtags with the name of the move. I keep doing air quotes. I don't know why I'm doing that. <laughs> um, the pole dance community kept, um, they, they log all of these moves with PD Aisha, PD handspring, PD um, handstand or whatever. So that, yeah. And all of that was banned too. The hashtag PD handspring was banned around the world. It's how these people are training together. And it was, and then other, um, accounts like very large accounts, like Michelle Shimmy was getting like blocked, deleted. And so we band together as a, as a community and we had, um, 18,000 people sign a petition to Instagram and Instagram apologized to pole dancers for shadow banning or banning their hashtags, not strippers, reinstated, (laughs) not strippers, reinstated some, not all. And then, um, and then the, the stripper community got really upset with us Mm -hmm. and (laughs) rightfully so. And when we noticed that it was getting worse, not getting better, we, the group of us that helped get the apology from Instagram decided I actually said, I'm not done, you guys. Like, I don't care about this fucking apology. I'm not done. I'm going to keep going, and I'm going to reach out to other organizations that aren't full dancing because they're all being affected by this. And then, every, like, the rest of the group was like, I'm in, I'm in. And before you knew it, we had this whole big brand new thing, and we were actively looking for other communities to involve in everybody visible. It includes LGBTQ, the BBW community, POC, and sex artists. Um, and so we chose this day, October 29th, which is International Internet Day. Um, and we protested on the inter- on Instagram. Uh, and a ton of people joined in and made these posts. And we tagged all of the executives of Instagram and Facebook. And they saw us. Some of them blocked us. <laughs> of course. They, they saw us. One of them, um, Adam Mossery, took a screenshot and put it in his stories of one of our comments. Like, they knew. Yeah. They knew. Yeah. And not much changed. Yeah. yeah. But still, but, the, the idea behind it, it's, it's an amazing movement. Um, thank you. Yeah. I'm, I, I, uh, if someone wants to get involved with that or involved with the um, – as as soldiers of pole, how would they go about that? So they could just, people can just DM us, you know, just go to Instagram, pop in our DM, 
for everybody visible, I would suggest sending an email at everybody visible at gmail.com because we're not in that account right now a lot. Um, the person who runs it is she lives on an Island and shit got really weird for her for coronavirus. Mm-hmm. Um, and, uh, soldiers of poll, just DM. I'm up in the DMS all the time. Perfect. So yeah, we definitely, we need to expand our team. We definitely always need help because it's, it's a lot of volunteer work. Mm-hmm. So, and you don't, and yeah, and if, correct me if I'm wrong, you don't need to be a sex worker to be an ally in these groups. So, no. you know, squares are welcome to reach out to you too. Definitely. Anybody is welcome to reach out. Yeah. Perfect. Definitely. So yeah. I know we, we, you mentioned Corona there briefly. So of course we've seen some, you know, major changes in the stripper work landscape with the recent Corona situation, mm-hmm. um, you know, in, in club work, moving to online, what has your experience been since this whole COVID thing um, has occurred and how has, how have you been impacted? I mean, we don't have jobs. Yeah. They're taking to online work, which I worry about the cam workers. Mm-hmm. I think I, th- I thought of them right away. You know, immediately I thought of the cam workers. I have friends that are cam workers that have been doing it for years and it's like their main source of income. And all of a sudden now you have all these strippers who like vowed they would never stoop that low are now doing it. And, and I, I made it a, a point to say to them, like, be nice. You're entering territory that's not yours. Mm-hmm. So be nice while you do it. Mm-hmm. And because there's, there is a lot of division and a lot of, um, core phobia towards each other in the sex work industry. Mm -hmm. And I have personally seen strippers talk shit about cam workers and I don't like it. Yeah. Um, because like I said, I have friends that are cam workers and I tell my one, my very dear friend, I tell her all the time, man, you're doing God's work. The mm-hmm. cam work she does is you're straight up doing God's work. Like you're educating people. And so I find it extremely offensive when people talk shit about it and now they're all doing it. Of course. And yeah. so there, there's that, you know what I mean? So it didn't only affect strippers. It affected sex workers everywhere by strippers losing their real life jobs. Mm-hmm. It affects all online sex workers now. Um, and so I, I'm also thinking of them, not just strippers and what's happening for them. Um, and then, you know, we're just having to adapt and and sex workers are really good at that, having to adapt and maneuver and figure out what to do next. And so a lot of that is happening. And then a lot of them are broke and losing their homes and living on, and like some people are close to living on the street, you know, um, hence why we did stripping for strippers to raise money for people, but we couldn't raise enough. There's not enough money. We need millions of dollars. We raised like 7,000. Yeah, which I mean, it's still like you know, oh. hey, it's still something, but like you said, yeah. like it's a it's a huge undertaking to um, to really make a difference, and and unfortunately, like funding is a thing that needs to happen. Like it's you know, we like to think like yeah. good intentions, you know, but no money is money is what's going to make a difference in a lot of places. Yeah. I mean, I know a lot of us have sugar daddies and stuff. Like, we just need to get, like, angel investors just so that we can take care of everyone. Yeah. You know, like, share the wealth right now more than ever. 100%. Come to um, Yeah. And I'm seeing, I don't know about you, but I'm definitely seeing the stripper community come together more. And I will also say 
that I do think that strippers are, are experiencing a newfound respect for what work is like online. Oh, and I think sad. that that is a way to bring them together because before all of this, there was a, for a lot of strippers, there was a very fine line between what they did at work and what they did online. And now every, it's all blended together. And so I think that they definitely see like what it's like and that, that they have more of a new respect. And, and I, I see in a lot of ways the positives of how this is bringing us all together and teaching us new things. Mm-hmm. So no, com- yeah. completely. I agree with that. <clears throat> cool. So, so you've been in the industry for quite some time. Yeah. What do you predict the future of the industry to look like? Oh my God. I don't know, man. <laughs> it's uh, you know, I definitely believe that strip clubs will exist again. Um, I think that more virtual strip clubs will be a thing for sure. I think that's definitely like a new trend and wave. Um, what I'd like to see and what I think will happen are two totally different things. Um, but I, I have no idea. I can't, I can't even, I can't even begin to fathom what this is going to look like. And I'm hoping that, you know, when you look at epidemics, um, pandemics from the past, they last for about a year to two years. Like it's like just complete mayhem and bullshit for a year to two years. And we're in the beginning of that. And so what I definitely see happening is this shit is not, we're not going to be normal for a long time. We're not strip clubs. Aren't going to be the way they used to be for a long time. If ever, um, we have at least another year and a half of this mm-hmm. and, and of what degree I'm not sure, but we have another year and a half of bullshit. Yeah. from this left that will be left over. Um, and so I think that there'll be less strip clubs. I think they're going to, a lot of them are going to close down. They were already hurting due mm-hmm. to, a, um, you know, economic changes. And, um, and then we're going to see more people online trying to exploit workers. Definitely. I'm already seeing oh. that. I'm getting emails and messages from men randomly All the who time. like want me to help them open their own shit. And I'm like, fuck you. Fuck you. Get the fuck out of my inbox. You're a fucking man. And like when they write to me, they're like, hi, I'm so-and-so. My first question is, are you a man or a woman? And they're like, I'm a man. I'm like, get out of my inbox. I know. I That's one thing that I cannot stand more is a cis (laughs) white man trying to like work a woman, trying to give her work. That's not him exactly paying for her services. Like, yeah, no sex workers need to take back. Sex workers need to take ownership of everything. They need to take ownership of the virtual strip clubs. And, and I strongly believe that sex workers need to take over strip clubs. Mm-hmm. They need I, to yeah. buy them, take them, run them, take them to leverage via lawsuits. Um, take those strip clubs and run them yourself the way that you know it could and should be run. Um, I like, this is basically my PSA right now. Like if you're a sex worker and you feel like you can run a strip club, figure out a way to take it over an already existing one, just figure it out and let's just take all of them over and reform the industry together. That's what I'd love to see. Will that happen? Yeah, I don't know. I know a lot of sex workers, though, that are talking about, like, man, I'd really like to have my own place because I think we're just fed up. Yeah. Even even amongst my so. friends, I hear it quite often. Like, I want to open a strip club. I wanted to – and, I mean, here in Vancouver, it's a little hard because the, the um, 
like council on that is constantly trying to close strip clubs. Like we are, we're down to, I think four right now in Vancouver. Yeah. Four yeah. or five. And there used to be but like 20 that- something before, even just like 10 years ago. Um, yeah. So it's hard to open up a new one. So definitely taking over one is a good idea. Um, yeah. Yeah. Before I let you go, I have three questions that I like to ask all of my okay. all of my um, interviewees. So, number okay. one, what is one thing you haven't done sexually but want to try? Oh yeah, okay. <laughs> um, I don't know the proper term, so I'm, I I always fumble saying it. But I want to hook up with um, a woman with breasts and a penis. Okay. I want to do it so bad. Yeah. I'm like, I'm so attracted to them. I think they're beautiful. And, um, it's like really just been in my head space recently. And I just, you know, um, yeah. I am here that. for that. Yeah. 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 yeah um, so yeah, I'm very, I, I find, um, like transgender and, um, gender identity fluid people to just be some of the most beautiful, stunning people because they, embody all of the things in one vessel and it's just so it's just beautiful Mm -hmm. I just think they're beautiful and um you know and they they deal with so much bullshit yeah and uh yeah so yeah and that's too like that's going back to what you're saying about being in a privileged position as you know um white identifying or white passing women um in in sex work you know, we are in that privileged community. I mean, I speak for myself. I don't know if you, you know, feel the same, but that's why it's so oh, important. Yeah. It's not easy at the front line to make changes, but we're, we need to use that like privileged position we're in um, and yeah. acknowledge it to help people in that community um, of sex yeah. workers who not only deal with bullshit about being a sex worker, but bullshit about how they identify and, and you know, how yeah. they went through life and yeah. Um, but yes, back yeah. to what you said, fully here for it. If you want a third, I'm in. <laughs> oh, tight. Okay. <laughs> Call me up. I'll fly to California when I can. <laughs> yeah, yeah. All right. This is your second question. What is something you've done or tried that you'd probably never try again? That I've done and tried that I'll probably never try again. Mm-hmm. Sassafras. You ever done sassafras? No. Oh, my God. God, I we I did some with some friends once. It's a drug. We thought it was, yeah, it's a drug. We thought it was Molly, and like forty eight hours later, we we're still awake. And oh I'm my like, god! What? Oh, it was bonkers. And then like three days later, I couldn't drink coffee still because it would like kick it back up again. That's wild. Um, what's the what's the kind of high? Is it is it like a Molly high or? It's it's very similar to Molly, but except it keeps you up all fucking night. And we were we were very creative, and we had the time of our lives during the peak. But the come down just lasted and lasted, and we couldn't sleep, and we couldn't eat, and we felt cracked out for like two full days. Jesus. And I'm like, yeah, I'm like, this is not worth it. I will never do sassafras ever again. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Noted. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, number three, if you had the world's attention for 30 seconds, what would you say? I would say to learn how to love yourself and to treat yourself with kindness and compassion so that you can and train yourself in that compassion and love. 
and work on it daily so that you can grow that and extend that to others around you because it starts with the source and the vessel that you live in first. Mm-hmm. If you don't love that part, then it's very difficult to spread the love around and love is all we need and all we're here for. Yes. I completely yeah. I love what you just said. I completely agree. Um, AM, where yeah. can people find you? Oh my God. Like in so many places, <laughs> I'm totally all over the internet. List um, it all. List it all. My, <laughs> my favorite place to express myself is at the queen of sexy. I have a website called the queen of sexy.com. Um, and you know, you can find me on the soldiers of pole account and the everybody visible account, but I would just say, just go to the queen of sexy. That's where, yeah, that's my place. So that's on Instagram at the queen of sexy. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Awesome. The queen. Gotta put the the in there. Don't forget <laughs> the queen of sexy. All right. I'll also, I'll make sure to link it as well for everyone. Yeah. And as always, you guys can find me at five zero plus a tip on Instagram or email me at five zero plus a tip at gmail.com. Slide into my DMs, email me with questions, comments, whatever. Um, and feel free to show your love and support by subscribing to my OnlyFans at OnlyFans.com slash Danica underscore darling. Also, make sure to check out our amazing sponsors at Temptations Avenue Lingerie and use our discount code TIP25 to get 25% off your entire order. As well as you use code TRULYPLUSATIP for 10% off your first online order of skincare products at Truly Lifestyle Brand. Thank you so much for joining me, AM. Thank you. Have a great week and happy hoeing. Bye.